Hey fam, let's catch the moment. We open this space with the knowledge that the land in which we are located is occupied and unceded territories. On this, their traditional land and ancestral home, join us in acknowledging the tribal groups from where we personally vibe, including the Kickapoo, Kansas, Osage, Odos, Missouri, Padawami, Sioux, Shawnee, Wyandot, Choctaw, and Chitty Macha tribes. We look to you as we become better stewards of the land we inhabit. Peace and love. Let go. Shout out to you. What's up and welcome to the We Out Here podcast, a place to hear the stories of black, brown and indigenous folks in science and nature. And of course, welcome back because it's season two. What's good? What's happening? That's crazy. My name is Alexi G coming to you from not the Bobancha anymore. I'm coming to you from the lands of the Kumeyaay out here in sunny San Diego, Uh, living out here in the black lands. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. What's happening, Allison? How you feel? Hey, I'm here. I've made it through the storm. Actually, it's literally raining outside right now, and it's very windy. <laughs> I was walking around downtown earlier, and the umbrella did the thing. Ooh, did it? <laughs> did it flip? It's like a thing. <laughs> it's the thing where that happens, and you feel deep embarrassment and shame, even if you have the sturdiest of umbrellas. <laughs> but then you're like, I shouldn't be embarrassed. This is just life. So I started singing to myself. I said, oh, it's not always going to be this way. <laughs> <laughs> and then Yo. I saw it happen to another woman. And I said, don't be embarrassed. But I said it in my head because I was driving away. Anyways, yep. it's, I am joining <laughs> you all from... Also a continued new location of the Narragansett people, the Narragansett folks up here in what some folks would say is uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Providence, Providence, Rhode Island. It is known as the Ocean State, which I I have qualms with, actually. Why? Because... You know what? Spill. You want to know? Because, okay, Rhode Island, the Ocean State, but... How many other states border the oceans? This is yeah, the really. tiniest state. Allison, I have yes. an important question to you. Yes, Alexa. For you. To me. Well, what frozen treat By are you me. today? What? Oh, what frozen treat am I today? Yeah. I'm feeling very like desiring sour, but not sour Ooh. feeling. Mm, mm, Does that make okay, sense? Okay. Like I yeah, crave, yeah. I'm having, I want, I'm craving sour but i'm not a sour person today if that makes sense i'm actually more of a curmudgeon today if we're being quite honest but that's fine everybody has their day it's rainy duh (laughs) i think oh let's get back to the beginning Mm -hmm. you know what i think i am yes i think i'm the lime sorbet i was yes I was thinking it would be it'd be along those lines. As soon as you were saying something that is sour, but not truly sour at its heart. Like you sit it like you sit it out for a while. All right. What frozen treat are you feeling like today, Alexi? Okay. Uh, I'm sure you can identify with this, Allison. I feel like uh, you know, I'm I'm spread pretty thin in life <laughs> in general. So I think what I am is I'm those two popsicles on one stick getting like pulled apart. <laughs> You know, just straight up like, boop. Is there a flavor? That's a good, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. 
fortunately, I can still taste and smell. Uh, your boy's still recovering from uh, from a bout of COVID a couple weeks oh, back. Still coming my. back to life. You can't. I'm not coughing. So, hey, hear me. So, you know, now that you said lime sorbet, it's in my head. So I feel like that, like lemon lime flavor. I mean, that one's fire. Ooh, like a limeade. Uh huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like that's the one. That one was heat. Limeade popsicles are delicious. Amazing. So we're back. We're back for season two. Ooh. We thought, why not anoint? Ooh. Christen. Ooh. Yeah. Well, that's good. Pour one out for the homies. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> no, Nolan style. The Bulbancha style, we'll say. We would anoint this season with a story from our own Alexi G. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> as we know, Alexi G has... <sighs> A lot of stories. A lot I of do. questionable stories. Okay, first of all, we all have stories. I just am. I just tell mine. You just you just tell yours. You're just and I mean they're entertaining for the masses. That's why we enjoy it. I hope so. So I think we have set the table for another one of Alexi G's curiosities. So it is story time. So this one actually takes place when I was in college still. So I went to the University of Missouri where I was studying originally like this bio uh, degree. I wasn't doing that great. I ended up having to like drop out. My grades were trash. Anyone who knows me knows I was not a dude who thrived in a school setting. Uh, I'm a very hands-on learner and schools for the most part didn't really offer that, especially at my uh, at my university. So I ended up having to drop out and I went to community college for a few years, then came back, you know, so I stuck it out or I went to community college for about a year and then came back to the university. So when I got back to the university, I had, you know, talked to my advisor. I, you know, really like figured out what was working, what wasn't working. Turns out that they offered something called an interdisciplinary degree instead of it being specifically like a bio degree where you take a bunch of like biology organic chemistry, you have to take physics. Instead, oh god, right, organic chemistry. Instead with an interdisciplinary degree, you take the courses that are most aligned with what your focus is. So, you take your gen eds and then you pick two different focuses for the degree and then you just take those courses. So, I was able to pick an emphasis in biology and social psychology because those are two subjects that I found were really interesting. We'll put the social psych thing to, to the side. What we'll do is we'll just focus on the bio part because I was like, I only have about two more, like two or three more units to do in bio. So I was like, oh, look at that. There's this really interesting course called Tropical Ecology with this one professor who I'd had before. And so I was like, all right, let me do that one. You know, like just seemed really interesting and way better than all of the really, really challenging courses. Uh, and this one I was told was a hands-on course. Turns out it was extremely hands-on. So the semester goes in, and, and it was a small little seminar. It was like eight of us, and we would meet in a small classroom or, or a small office room, and we would just chat. We would basically discuss research methods. We would discuss the actual ecology of the, the tropics, especially relating to uh, Central America and South America and I the Caribbean. Say, was it a specific yeah, tropic? Yeah, yeah. So it was okay. mainly focused in cool. like the Americas rather than like the tropics in like Africa and in Southeast Asia slash Indonesia. 
So it was it was very focused. But what was really cool is halfway through the semester, we would do a trip, a research trip, where we would go to a tropical location and we would conduct research and we would pick a focus of study. So after we had like started learning, our job was to start building a research project, which was really cool. Um, I what year in school this was, was like, this? I was, I guess I counted as a junior, but it was like it was probably a three hundred level course. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's ju- yeah, that's junior. Wow, that's cool because I love HBCUs, but we we don't get to do stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm. I was like, this is this is privilege That's right cool. here, baby. I was like, this is nice. You only get to do stuff like that in the summer when you go to like PWI stuff, yep. research stuff. So that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, nice PWIs. Uh, you know, the some of them you still don't get that. <laughs> so, anyways, or I shouldn't say nice. I should say expensive PWIs. Ah. That's a more accurate description right there. So. Um, and speaking of expensive, I was like, you know, I was like, I know this is going to cost a lot because the class was regular price, but you had to pay for that trip mostly out of pocket. Like that was we're talking airfare, we're talking food, all that. It ended up amounting to like four grand. So I had to take out extra loans because I didn't have that money. I don't have that like just around. And so I took out a little extra student loans, but totally worth it. In my eyes. Money, 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 yeah. money. So anyways, we're we're in the midst of our semester learning about the stuff. I I was really interested in doing anything by the water because I was like, I want to be on the beach. I was like, I'm not trying to study a tree. I'm not trying to study bromeliads. I'm not trying to study none of that stuff on the land. I'm trying to be in the sun. I'm trying to cook. So I was like, you know what I'll study? Spiny lobsters. So I study them all throughout the semester. I build this big research project to just look at what the spiny population was like, uh, especially there had been a mudslide a few years prior. I want to say like four years prior. So I wanted to see what the population looked like following that mudslide. What interested you about them to be like, that's what I want to study? I don't remember. I, I just thought they were really weird looking. I, you know, it was it was very aesthetic. There was nothing like scientific or like biological that drove me. I was like, nah, lobsters are weird, man. I want to like I want to look at them. I want to pick them up. It was that. Understood. I was being driven by the hope that I could see like a blue lobster. Not likely. So fast forward a little bit. So we get to the point in the semester near spring of us going out to St. John. We had to catch a plane, you know, early in the morning, you know, we're all on there. It's like that excitement that you feel when you're, uh, you're like on a field trip, you know, like that, that early morning, like air that's like hitting you. You're like, Ooh, I'm about to do something special. It's just that excitement. So we get on this plane, earbuds in, and was just like jamming. I had my little iPod shuffle that was hanging around my neck, bro. It was, I was Your hot neck. shit. I was, no. right? It was on a lanyard. It was hanging around my neck like oh, a necklace. you were so lame. Uh, yep. <laughs> it's okay. We all did it. I'm so sorry I called you lame. It's true, but also we all did it. It's true. Uh, yeah, I'm a big old herb. I'm a square. So anyways, I, uh, you know, I'm like hot shit. I'm just listening to this, jamming out and like talking to the other kids that are in the program. We're all like just bonding. It was just like good vibes. You know, uh, there were, there wasn't like a lot of like diversity in, in the group. It was like, of course, me, a woman who's, I th- or a girl who was Latina, I want to say. And then there was another brown person in it. And then basically it was just like six or seven like white folks, like men Mm -hmm. and women. 
but you know they were all like really cool we all like were really getting along it was it was tight so i was like uh, you know i was just excited at 21 to be making new friends because in class yeah i don't really make friends in a classroom but like on a plane hell yeah so we were we were chatting we like land in saint thomas or in saint croix i don't recall okay but we land wherever the airport is you know we have like a day in town we like buy stuff turns out we found out that the alcohol is less expensive than the chaser which was a very interesting thing for a 21 year old to learn mm. but we you know go across the island we take this wild rickety cab across the island it's like one of those trucks that's like an old bronco that's like the top is sawed off of the truck and in the back you just have bench seats and everyone's just seated in a bench and all you got are roll bars over the top of the truck Absolutely. and they're just like driving down these wild roads with you're crazy gonna die before angles. you get to the center i know right no for <laughs> real like it was like a, a lot of like arms out like oh grab like gotta grab the bars and like do 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 it was it was wild and like some of those roads are so narrow and and yet like two two of these like cab drivers can like fit by each other they're they're amazing and like how they drive like it was insane i know that like the drop-off rate is high but the people who make it are just so talented and so skilled oh in like driving <laughs> it's wild like jeff gordon eat your heart out bro like we don't need you <laughs> so anyways this this cabbie just like gets us there on some wild taxi shit so he gets us to like the ferry. We hang out. We like, you know, buy more, you know, buy more tourist like shit. And we buy a bunch of like, you know, we buy things from like a duty free shop. We buy things we shouldn't buy. And then we like pack them in our bags. And then we get on the, we get on the ferry and float over to St. John. So we went to a place called Veers, the Virgin Islands Ecological okay. Resource Station. Got it. Got it in one. <laughs> it's a research-ish station that is mainly meant for like educating mm -hmm. younger people on ecology. So this spot was basically like a place where local kids and kids internationally can come and like learn about ecology in general. It's like they have bungalows that are lifted off the ground. They have a mess hall. They have like, it is a station that you live in for two weeks and you just do research and you just do science. How many students does it house? It housed... I want to say one of the one of the one of the bungalows that I was in, we had eight, ten of us, potentially. There were eight or ten beds in that one, and then there were like five or six. So there could be like fifty or sixty people up in this place. I'm just thinking about like the mess hall and like cacophony of sounds. <laughs> oh man, yeah, the mess hall wasn't super big. You would have had to do like rotating like meals. Uh, it would be like some people go in uh, at a time. You know, it would have had to be, had to be something like that. It wasn't big by any stretch. Okay, uh, the places where we slept slept were bigger. I took us back to um, the Parent Trap mess yeah. hall, which is very specific and large, very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't anything like that. But you also could just get your food and like eat outside too. There were okay. plenty of like little spots to sit. We were right off of Lamisher Bay, but I'll go into all of that a little later. But it is like, it is a dream. This little, this little research or resource station is so pretty and so cute. Like these bungalows are like just little long buildings lifted off the ground with like little bunks in them and like just screened in windows, no glass. You know, just little screened in windows, keeping the bugs out. And, and that's it. Like, that's all we got in there. It's like, if you have to go to the bathroom or if you have to shower, you gotta go for a walk. Uh, you gotta go find, you know, find the spot. And then, and then also there's so much, the, the water is so limited 
at the research station because a lot of it is collected from rainfall that it was like they were like you got <laughs> they're like you got less than five minutes to shower ideally two minutes you're done so it was like uh it was a get in get out situation you know it was like a get wet turn the water off soap up rinse off and get out the shower it was that mm-hmm. because there was literally just barrels of water that mm-hmm. they were pulling everything from so it was like a, it was a good conversation in like water water consumption use but they give us this whole rundown they're telling us all this and i'm sitting here just like <laughs> soft and i you know I've, i'm a 30 minute shower kind of kid and i was like oh no i was like and the water's cold too oh my I was like, God. like i was like this sounds terrible and i'm looking at the little cabin being like you mean bugs can get in there? <laughs> like, I wasn't appreciating. Who are you? I know where you grew up. Who are you? <laughs> I wasn't appreciating. How did you a become this person? About this. Wow. Wow. Tell me about it. Sitting here on this side of it, I'm like, the things I didn't appreciate. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, they, they start telling us about, like, you know, meals and all that. They give us that rundown. And so then they're like, cool, spend the day doing whatever you want. So we kind of like fool around. We look at stuff. Uh, we go on like little a little tourist trap to see like this old plantation uh, sugar mill, which like, ew. But, <laughs> and re- you know, at the time I was like, this is so crazy because it was just like, you know, eaten up by nature, vines on it, everything. But as we're walking through, I'm seeing all these like termite uh, nests. And they're not like the ones that we're familiar with. They're not like in the ground, like in a big, like silo looking thing. These are all in the trees. Really weird looking. So I, you know, kind of like stuck in my mind. And so the next day, you know, we get up at 5 a.m., we eat breakfast in the mess hall, and then we go out to start our research. And as I'm looking in Lamisher Bay, as, you know, I'm snorkeling and like swimming around, and this is like the first time I'm out in the bay. And I realized, I was like, oh, all the places that I can swim don't have lobsters the only places that have lobsters i would have to dive a hundred feet down to go find them or i'd have to trap them and i was like i can't do this you know it was like it was that moment that clicked in my head i was like oh i'm i'm not like outfitted or equipped like personally skill wise and equipment wise to to accomplish this research so i was like oh shoot i got it yeah allison i see you looking confused I'm just thinking about like, I know a hundred feet is not deep sea, Uh huh. but that seems deep for a lobster. Like, what are you doing down there? Eating and why? And why? Chilling. <laughs> I, avoiding me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, what? Come on up. The water's fine. It's warmer. Like, I mean, <laughs> even let's be 100. Even if it was 20 feet, it's probably 20 feet. Let's be real. They're probably down at 20 feet and I couldn't get down that far. Like as soon yeah. as I started feeling the pressure on my ears. I was oh, out. Yeah. I was done. You know, that's a wrap for old Al. So I was like, this isn't going to work. I, I, A, I don't like being in the ocean. Like, I, I, no, not for me. Uh, it's really pretty, but being in the water and that exposed was just so scary for me. I was like, no, not for me. So, and then B, I can't find them. And then C, also, I got water in my mouth and I didn't like that. So I decided to bail. I was like, I'm off this. Punk. Uh huh. <laughs> Like, I've never been punked by Poseidon so hard. So I get out the water and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have I have two weeks to do to get this research project or I just straight up fail the class because the whole class is this. So and then you come back and synthesize your research. Uh huh. 
Uh-huh. And like, that's the rest of the semester is you preparing for a presentation that you then give to the rest of the class. I was like, if I don't get data, I'm going to fail the class and it's embarrassing. So I was sitting there on the dock, just like, Ooh, what am I going to do? It's not going to be in the water. It's going to be on the land. And then it clicks. And I was like, Oh, those termites, I can, I could study them. Like they, they could be cool. And then I'm like, what could I study about them? And then I remembered something I read. It was like in a IFLS, you know, I freaking love science. Uh, like this is back when that website was actually publishing interesting stuff that was scientific as opposed to random pseudoscience now. But they had this little thing that just talked about, it was, I think about bees and how they can, they act as a singular organism and they can uh, do homeostasis inside of a hive. They can shiver and warm the hive up or they can, I'm not sure if they beat their wings and try to get airflow through, but I think they could do that. Or at least I, I remember reading something to those effects. But anyways, I, I was like, oh, I wonder if termites can do that. So what I decided to do was to study them over the week and take temperature readings of these eight or nine uh, nests that I'd randomly seen as we were like touring around the island. So I was like, all right, cool, bet. That's my trip. So I went, got my notebook, packed my little backpack because I had this little tiny cute backpack that I love, put on my little toe shoes because, yes, I had toe shoes back in the day. They were hot and I looked good. Allison, don't even make that face. Toes out and everything. So anyways, pack all my stuff up, grab my pencil. I tell I tell my professor, hey, I'm actually running to the far side of the island because I made a little map in my notebook. And it, I basically- How much trust that professor had? Good gracious. Right? I put little notes of where they were and I was like, I'll work from the back of the island to the front of the island. Front meaning where we're at. So that by the end, I don't have to travel very far. So I head out back to that, like that mill and I start collecting data on all of the termites throughout the place. And it actually was really interesting because I found that the, uh, the termites kept their nests at, I want to say around 80 degrees, despite the temperatures fluctuating outside. I never really figured out the mechanism for it, but it was just really interesting. So I get through the whole week and then I get to the final day of my research. This is the crux of everything. So I get up that morning. It's the final day of research. It is two days before we head out. So I got, if I can knock this out, I got a day to play, you know, and that's the move. So I run out to the sugar mill way on the far side of the island. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I collect that data. And then basically I collect all of the data on the road back. So it took me about two hours, three hours to do that. How are you collecting the data? That's a good question. So. What I would do is I took the circumference and I took the, the diameter, both across and height. And then I also... Of the nest, right? Or the mound, right? Of the nest. How they build their nests is they actually create this entire... It's like a breakdown of like the wood and their saliva, I think. Uh, so what they do is they build this nest around a tree's branch, but not the trees that they're consuming. It's the trees that, uh, it's just a live tree nearby. And so what the termites do is they build this big ball that's like person size around a big heavy branch. And then they build these enclosed tunnel systems. And then the termites basically go and they eat a dead tree. So it's actually, it's like brilliant because they don't consume the tree that they're already living on. They keep that alive. They sustain it. But then they also 
go to other dying trees, they break that down and it actually creates a lot of like, you know, room for growth in that like little ecosystem. They're amazing. I want to know what that relationship is between the tree that they're on, the living tree that they're on. Like, yeah, why yeah. have they like evolved to a place where they're like, we're not going to eat this tree. Like, is the tree giving them? Well, obviously the tree's giving them something, but what are they giving the tree? That's what I'm curious about. Anyways. Uh, well, I think maybe it might be one of those things where they're giving the tree, like the trees around where the dead one is nutrients because they're breaking nutrients, down that yeah. wood yeah, faster. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they're not benefiting the tree they're currently on, but they're benefiting the, the rest of the trees in the area. The neighborhood. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if they don't eat the tree because the tree has just sizable defenses against them. Ah, uh, it hasn't broken down. If there are compounds in there that make it challenging or if that termites have evolved this behavior to not attack live trees because don't shit where you eat. Yeah. So I'm basically like climbing up in these trees trying to get this data. And like when I was trying to get internal temperatures, I had basically this probe that was like a foot long and I just literally stab it into the nest. I'd be like, I'm so sorry, guys. And then would stab it into the nest, get the internal temperature, pull it out and they're pissed. And I'm like, I'm I'm sorry. I, I apologize to them every time. Hashtag science. I can do this. Bye. Yeah. Listen, I was like, I know they don't understand me, but it, at least like I feel like that I've uh, e- even things out a little bit, you know. So anyways, I'm on my last tree. It's right outside of the research station. It's mm-hmm. it's this nest that's about 20 feet up in this tree, which is about as high as I can climb in a tree without many branches to grab onto. So basically, I just like grab this tree and just like, you know, shuffle my way up it. I get onto this branch that's roughly torso width and I ha- it's like just big enough for me to be side stepping on it. Mm. And so I'm like side stepping to the nest and I stab the thermometer in- into it, take the temperature. And then I realize that the nest I've been studying was dead. And then I look on the other side and the- that's where the live nest was. And so I had to like climb over this one and then mm. get like temperature readings on mm. the live nest. Which, like, the data on that one was ruined because I hadn't been taking temps on it all week, um, just not realizing it. So I get the temperatures on this live nest. Uh, I'm on, like, the edge of this branch. It's on some Looney Tunes nonsense. And so I, like, pull out my temp reader. I'm, like, writing data down in my notebook while I'm standing, like, snowboard style on this tree branch that's not very big. And so I, like, am writing all this down, and then my the wind blows, and it blows my notebook out of my hand down to the forest floor. I'm like, shit. So I was like, well, you know, I, uh, what can you do? So I kind of back up a little bit, get my footing so that I'm, like, a little more in balance because I don't really have anything to hold on with my hands. I'm just balanced on it. And then I feel something hot on my legs, and, like, my legs are itchy. And I look down, and straight up I had stepped on one of their tunnels. And so the termites are spilling out of that that nest and they're just climbing and just like it's just a pile of termites climbing up my legs, just like biting me or, you know, shooting whatever like acid thing they have just cooking me. And like it doesn't hurt, but it's like really itchy. It is terrifying because I, you know, I grown up looking at those like killer ant videos, you know, as a kid. So, you know, deep in my heart, there's this fear that's like buried in my psyche of like getting eaten by ants and like killer bees. So they're just like covering my legs and I panic. I was like, ah, I'm out. So I straight up dive off of the tree, like 20 feet up and just grab onto this like smaller tree next to it as hard as I can. And that bug just bends and snaps. And like, I just smash into the ground. 
and you know luckily i'm okay i had my arms tucked in i landed like on my back and shoulder and i had a backpack on so like none of my i don't think none of the equipment got broken i didn't even think to check it <laughs> so i just like i just like pop up and right in front of me is like this like dutch or like english i don't know french maybe group of tourists who are just terrified they saw it all they saw it all. <laughs> so I pick up my notebook, shake, you know, hold it by the spine and dangle it and shake all the dirt out of it, wipe myself off. And I'm like, hey. And then I just run. run. I just ran off. I was like, I'm out of here. And I just sprinted away. I don't know what that family was thinking. But my data was done. I was done with the research. So the rest of the day was mine. Oh. So I grab a little lunch and I run into Sean. Sean was also one of the other uh, kids on the research trip. So he was like, hey, I'm done. And so I was like, hey, bae, you want to go swimming across Lambisher Bay? And he was like, cool, that sounds good. And the reason why I wanted to brave that bay again was because I had heard there are stingrays in there. Your boy loves stingrays. I love mm. stingrays very much. Stingrays are my favorite. RIP Steve Irwin, but I love stingrays. Sorry, I'm not a shooter for you. <laughs> so I'm out here like I got to see a stingray. And Sean's like, cool, I'm just trying to swim. So I was like, bet, come with me, make sure I don't die while I'm looking for these stingrays. So we grab, like, we just run and, like, grab flippers, throw them over our, uh, over our socks. And then, you know, we grab our, like, swim stuff. I grab a swim shirt just to protect myself just in case I bump into something. And we hop in the water. Now, this, like, once I actually settled and acclimated, it was so, so beautiful in this water. But I did not like the fact that the fish could see me and I could see them looking at them, looking at me. Like, I hadn't realized fish were intelligent creatures until that, until that moment where you see them looking at you and you see them assessing whether or not you're a threat or a predator or like some fish actually get kind of curious about you and come closer. Yes. I wasn't prepared for that. And so I, it led to this very small existential crisis for me and a small ego death in thinking that, oh, we're not the only sentient creatures on the land. We're definitely not the only sentient creatures in the water. So I had to really contend with that. But I was like, not now. <laughs> so I decide to push that aside and go look for stingrays. So I'm going and I see one. It's only about a foot and a half wide and it starts swimming around like 10 feet and then it starts diving. So I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to dive down and I'm going to follow this stingray. So I plug my nose, blow out my ears, and then I dive and I go down. I get 15 feet down and then I'm struggling against my own buoyancy and like, you know, I'm having a hard time and the stingray gets away. And so I decided to just like swim level and I'm like doing that and my flipper gets kind of loose and it's like jostling around my foot. And so I was like, oh shit, let me kick that back on so I don't lose it. So I kick it kind of back on and it gets, it fixes itself. Then I start swimming a little bit more and then I hear Sean Mike behind me. And he starts making these like crazy, crazy sounds, these like panic sounds. And so I'm like, oh, and like, you know, I like try to look at him, but I can't really see him. And so like both surface and I'm like, what's up, man? And he surfaces and he's like, bro, a, a shark bit your fin. And I was like, no, no. And he's like, yeah, man, uh, a reef shark had like grabbed onto the tip of uh, the tip of your fin. I was like, bullshit. And I look at it and there were like just these little these little like spots where like the fin was kind of tore up mm -hmm. and and then i realized it clicked in my head i was like oh my flipper wasn't coming off it had bit the tip of the oh, the tip yeah, of the yeah. fin and was trying to like i think it was just like test biting it 
I think it was just seeing what was going on. Right. It wasn't a big one. It was a small black tip reef shark. But I think what had happened, or based on his description, is I had kicked it in the head when I was trying to get the flipper back on my foot. I just kicked that mug in the head, didn't realize it, and it just swam off. The wildlife are going to come after you. Dog. I, <laughs> I thank you, nature. Thank you, world. I felt bad about kicking little homie in the face, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. So me and Sean are like, we're like, that was crazy. Whoa. You know, like as like, you know, 21 year olds, like that's how we talk. And, and we were like, do you want to go back? And I was like, nah, man, like, let's let's keep going, like keep it pushing. So we decide we're going to go across the bay. So as we're going, it's like, you know, really pretty. And I'm like really starting to appreciate it. I'm like acclimating and getting less anxious as I like go on. Then I see a green sea turtle, maybe. I'm not sure. But I see a sea turtle for the first time in my life. And it was so pretty that and I was like, I want to see it a little closer. You know, I, I'm not going to touch it, but I just want to go a little closer. So I dive towards it. And the funniest thing happens. It's, you know, facing away from me and I get 10, 20 feet away from it. And I'm under the water and I'm like, wow, this is really cool. I kind of blow out some bubbles. And then the sea turtle is looking away from me and it does that dramatic hamster and like turns around like. Oh yeah. The sea turtle did that. (laughs) Like from over its back, it's straight up just like, whoop, like looks at me and says, no. And then just bombs away, just swims hella fast. I had never, I didn't realize sea turtles could move that fast. Just another, another moment. Said, look just, at this streamlined shell. You don't, don't play with me. <laughs> right. This is my home. <laughs> I like just appreciated that. It was beautiful. So anyways, so we kept on swimming. We get to the far side of the, of the bay and then we come out and we're like, yeah, we did it. And then we realized we can't just walk back along a nice beach. We surfaced and came out where there's just like mad rocks. We can't even climb to where the, the beach is. So we ended up having to do this like, it was like a, an hour long trek all the way around the bay along this road barefoot didn't have shoes on nothing and then finally we get back just dusty and dirty to like the rest of the camp and everyone had finished their their research that afternoon so we're all like talking and chatting and so i tell everyone what like what went down and like no one no one believes me everyone thinks i'm lying and so i'm like like what i you know i'm like like why doesn't anyone trust me and then and then it clicks oh shit April Fool's Day. And everyone just started calling me shark bait. So I was like, all right, whatever. Wow. It was great, man. We ended up connecting really well with that night afterwards. We did tarot readings. Everyone opened up about a lot of insecurities and a lot of goals, a lot of interesting discussions of our trauma, but it was really, really open space. And that was one of the most beautiful things I learned from things like tarot. They can create this moment where everyone can be vulnerable with each other because everyone has a reason to be. I don't know why, but like trips, summer camp, or like opportunities like that just open up people in such a, a, a way worth investigating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I would love to like know more about the psychology of why why we feel so comfortable opening up in those those types of situations. But it was really beautiful. You know, we all bonded really well from that and from our celebrations and from the trip back home. You have a trip you'll never forget. Do you know where Sean is today? He is, he was working for the EPA at one point. What? He might be still in mid-Missouri. You know, some of them went to med school, some went farm school, some went to like postgraduate stuff doing research. By farm school? Do you mean like agriculture school or pharmaceutical school? Pharmaceutical. (laughs) And then I'm out here in zoos and yeah, yeah. Super, (laughs) super interesting how everyone went these different directions. You 
followed your curiosity. Oh, yeah, I guess I did. Yeah. Now, bugs. I like looking at bugs. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I like holding them on occasion. Breeding them and propagating them. Eh, I'm good. Eh. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for this new season. We're going to have fun. And it's going to be 2023. Yes, it is. When you guys are hearing what? this, it's going to be 2023. Isn't that crazy? I'm just thinking like, we started almost three years ago. Did we really? Yes. It'll be like June, July-ish of 2023. That's when we started plotting and planning. I'm so glad we're here. I'm so glad we made it. Okay, so Allison. Glad. Yeah. It's my turn to do some shout outs. It's shout out time. Yes, it's it's shout Alexi. Out time. Shout out time. First of all, Allison, shout out to you. I appreciate you. You're doing Stop. amazing things. Stop. Love you. Okay, take care of yourself. Love you, too. And then also, second shout out. Shout out to me. I love myself. Trying to practice Absolutely. more self-love, more self-appreciation. Lexi, you hear that? Yes, I do. Yeah, cool. Great. <laughs> Let's see. Another shout out. You know what? Shout out to my friend, Erin. She helped me move down here. She locked me down. She like, she, yeah. she's helped me. Helped me so much. So, shout out to her, Erin B. Friendship as an adult is incomparable. Uh-huh. Man, man, so. man. So shouts out to her. Shouts out to Dr. Holtzford. He's the one that took us on that trip to St. John's. And man, he was a really cool guy. Dr. Holtzford, my man. Allison, I'm going to pass this off to you. Mm-hmm. Who would you like to give a shout out to? Oh, I was so ill-prepared. Who do I want to give a shout out to? I would really, honestly, I would actually really, really like to give a shout out to one of my faculty members and one of my directing classmates, uh, faculty member being the Sophia Skiles, acting royalty in general, and Asian American acting royalty. And she is our head of acting, but she requires of us to dive into a course about liberatory strategies um, and collaborative artist work and how we can be leaders in spaces, how we can decolonize, how we can speak up, how we can be just, how we can be the leaders that we need in rooms. And in partnership with her, uh, Tara Moses, director extraordinaire, Tara from Oklahoma, Muskogee, Muskogee peoples, Tara has taught us a lot um, about what decolonization is and what it isn't, what colonial practices are and what they aren't, and how we can function in what community actually means. Not for the singular individual, but is this actually meeting the needs of what the community needs today and now? And I'm really, really, really grateful for her. She's a beautiful and wonderful artist. She's a director and a playwright. She says she's not an actor, but we know the truth there. (laughs) Um, Get it. So I'd say check out her plays. She's written a couple plays. One she's working on right now called Sugar in Class. Um, but she also is a huge advocate for Native justice, restorative and generative justice in the U.S. America landscape. So because sometimes we forget it's the Americas. It's not just North. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yikes. <laughs> so those are my, I think those are my two shout outs. I'm just learning. I'm learning a lot. I'm in a season of extreme growth, which means I'm extremely tired. Uh- <laughs> Man, I hear you. <laughs> but I'm, I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for you. 
and your constant grace. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all we got. I think that's that's a wrap on the beginning of season two. From here. We out. We Out Here podcast is Allison Jones and Alexi Grusis. Show theme by Spencer Snedden and show graphics by Khalif Gillette. If you like this show, give us a quick five-star rating and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps us move up the charts and reach an ever greater number of ears. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at We Out Here Pod and on Instagram at The We Out Here Pod for fun outdoor memes, jokes, and podcast news. If you're a black, brown, or indigenous person in science and nature, and you want to share a story with our audience, hit us up on social media or on our email at weoutherepod at gmail.com because your stories deserve to be heard. Plus, plenty of y'all are mad fun and eventually I'm going to run out of friends. If you're able to financially support our mission of sharing our stories with an ever-broadening audience, go to patreon.com slash weoutherepod where we release bonus content like extended interviews, ahead of the curve podcast happenings, and we give y'all the chance to ask our guests questions. Our tiers start as low as $2 a month, and at higher tiers, you can even get merch sent to you quarterly. We're in the midst of adding new merch to our Patreon at various supporter levels, so join today to get a sneak peek at those designs. In some fun, humbling news about the podcast, our show was recently featured in Sierra Club Magazine, which is our first time uh, getting some shine, so I'm happy as can be. The article talks a little bit about like how we got here and where we hope to go, uh, so grab a copy and tell your friends. Honestly, the better it does, the longer I can hold off on telling my parents they're not getting grandchildren. So to close out on episode one of season two, let's pour one out for 22 and welcome in 23 with a little fresh air. So drink some water, tie your shoes, and let's get outside. Okay, cool, let's go.